0: The following podcast is brought to you by cdkoffers.com. Use offer code BROKENSILICON for 25% off Windows codes and Dye shrink for 3% off all other codes. Links in the description, and I will say more later. But for now, let's get to the show. Silicon, a computer gaming and hardware podcast. I am your host and the only host in the beginning of this episode today. So this episode, actually, I'll just say right out of the gate, is going to be organized a little differently than previous ones. Right now, the usual co-host, Dan, is, well, interviewing at colleges to get into graduate schools. As we've talked about, he is a scientist. He is a geneticist. Over the past year or so, he's been working in a lab after you know, finishing his first four-year degree, uh, but that that's not forever. He does want to get a doctorate, and so that's what's going on with him, and, and and in fact, over this year, he will probably be more busy than usual, although he is such a busy young lad already. The point is this, though. Uh, we worked a deal out. It's like, well, okay, any weeks where you're busy, let's do this. I'll organize the stories in reader mail into, like, two chunks. The first chunk, one's where I think it would be fair to expect I would do most of the talking. So he won't be needed for that, really. And then, you know, maybe a third into the episode or halfway in, I will introduce Dan super late, and we will continue the episode as usual. So send him best wishes. He is trying to become a big boy here. And uh, yeah, I guess I'll just, you know, nothing really changes overall. I doubt there'll be much noticed, and the die shrinks will keep coming at the usual every other week. Great! Right? We're actually working on a couple of bonus episodes, me and Dan. So lots of stuff for you guys to enjoy, but let's get into it. Like I said, the first third will be just me. You are stuck with me for now. But uh, yeah, so first as usual, uh, corrections, omissions, things from this month. One thing I want to throw out that I think is hilarious is I, so I guess I'll start like this. When I do a video Um, I I check it, you know, before I render it several times to to see if I want to do any last passes. When it's rendered, I skip through it quickly in the final video file to make sure nothing was wrong. And and then I check it on YouTube Well, I add, you know, the timestamps, the cards that pop up in case you missed it video things, the end screens, all of that. So I end up watching my video a few times, but I usually, you know, I, I watch YouTube on my, My gorgeous OLED TV sometimes over the weekend, and my latest videos will be suggested to my civilian account, right? I do have two accounts. I have a normal account that's, you know, some Tom YouTube account. And then I also, of course, have Moore's Laws Dead. So Moore's Laws Dead is suggested. I will admit it, my civilian account is subscribed to Moore's Laws Dead. So maybe subtract one from the subscriber count of it. I'm not allowed to be counted as part of that, but nonetheless, I'll check it on my TV because I am curious, you know, and it does usually look a bit different on phone, on uh, PC monitors, and then on a nice big screen. And I've noticed that any time I pull it up because... You know, I obviously get ads. I don't have premium on my TV that I get a Michael Bloomberg ad (laughs) popping up every time (laughs) I check my videos this past month. So definitely not an endorsement for Bloomberg, but I do want to thank Michael Bloomberg for all the ad money he's giving me. That is quite funny. Moving on, some other things from this month. Uh, there was the idea that I think there's a zero-sum game with TechTubers. Now, this comes from my last giant video, the 4900H video, where I flashed this one screen where it looks like I'm dissing on, who would it, who was it? I don't even want to name the names because I wasn't intentionally dissing on anything. That was actually, so that was a thumbnail. I showed a thumbnail from an old video from March of 2019, you know, a year ago. And there's this angry rant I did. I, I I made the video not public within a week of it coming out. And the only reason I showed that old thumbnail was to reference an old video I did. And everyone thought, and I understand why, right? I had like 100 subscribers at the time. Everyone seemed to think that I made that picture this week and was shitting on them. Well, I wasn't, those people that popped up. So I blurred that out. I just want to throw that out there. Number one, I did wasn't trying to attack anyone again i was just showing that i attacked them in the past and that was a non-public video so it's not like i necessarily think that anymore and number two i definitely don't think youtube is a zero-sum game i don't really think anything's a zero-sum game you know i see all these people lately on the news saying oh look at the people getting rich here well there are people uh no well, no just because there's more rich people now doesn't mean anything's necessarily worse the standard of living has gone up across this world despite more rich people. The world is not a zero-sum game, and that goes for YouTube. So I just want to be very clear about that up front. But I, I did bring it up for a reason, though, and I do want to touch on this. The re- and, and for those who don't know, I in my 4900H video, I was doubling down on the fact that I was dead accurate on the specs of the console. You know, all the way back until even I think the end of 2018, I had a PlayStation 5 video, I think, technically. It was terrible, horrible quality. I don't think it's public anymore either. But I said, hey, they're probably targeting 4K60, which means they'll get around to 2080 or 2080 Ti, and they'll use an SSD. I'm watching SSD prices decline, and by then... They should be cheap enough to have a one terabyte SSD in the console. And it'll probably be a fast one. And I also said, it will have at least 16 gigabytes of RAM because anything less wouldn't really be looked at as, I mean, I mean, come on guys, the PS3, I think had a half a gigabyte of RAM or was it a fourth? I don't even remember. Maybe it was, I think it may have just been a fourth a gigabyte and the same with the 360. And then they went to eight gigabytes, like a 16 X in RAM. Do you really think they're just going to go from like nine and gigabytes in the PS4 Pro to 12 in the PS5 or the next Xbox? I mean, the, the Xbox One X already has 12 gigabytes. And so that's what I said back then. I said, for 4K60, you need a 2080 Ti. Prices will come down. You'll want an SSD. Prices are going down. And they'll have 16 to 32 gigabytes of RAM. Probably not 32, but something around 20 to 24 would make sense. And all these tech tubers, Late 2018, early 2019, when the first PS5 and Xbox leaks came out, we're shitting on this, saying "There's no way, there's no way it can be 2080 Ti performance." Anyone who says that's an idiot doesn't know what they're talking about. It. Everyone in the comments attacked me, and that's why I doubled down on it. That's why I brought it up is because guys, twelve teraflop RDNA 2.0. That's a 2080 Ti in the next Xbox. And I know the PlayStation will be close in performance, whether it's more or less. It's really not going to be more or less. They're just going to be different. The PlayStation will have some hardware features that the Xbox doesn't and vice versa. But that's the target I was dead on. And that's why I brought it up. Because the arrogance around disregarding that rumor back in early 2018 just absolutely blew my mind. Like, I don't understand how this happens every console generation. I remember when the PS4 leaks came out and there were rumors they were going to upgrade it to 8 gigabytes, and Digital Foundry literally said it's logistically impossible to have 8 gigabytes in a console, which just doesn't make any sense. It is not at all logistically impossible. And and, and the stuff that they had rumored in 2019 wasn't impossible either. And again, just like the PS4, everyone said that console would be $800. Well, it wasn't. It was $400. Everyone said... In early 2019, the PS5, the next Xbox would be $1,000 if those were the specs. And they fucking won't. I mean, I don't know how people can get this so fundamentally wrong. Every console generation, they have more performance than people expect if they're PC fanboys. And every console generation, it's under $600. So get over yourselves. And that's what just pissed me off is when I see tech channels with, you know, tens of thousands, or even hundreds of thousands of subscribers, and they're making the mistake everyone makes every console generation. It's not about getting information wrong. I'm not saying I'm always right. I'm wrong all the fucking time, and I'm not saying anyone else has to be right 24-7. But I am saying if you're wrong about that console thing, something that we've been smacked in the face with every generation, I really have to question your ability to evaluate anything, right? That's why I brought that up. And I bring that up. not just It's not about me being right. It's about how can people get this wrong every time and call themselves analysts. But I didn't mean to single out any channel specifically. And I do think I was too angry in early 2019 too. I pivoted completely away from rants. Even though rants are what got me a lot of my first subscribers. I just I just, it's not. So I'm not endorsing what I said back then. All right. And that is done. Let us move on. Another thing to touch on from this past couple of weeks, corrections and omissions, is the new drivers. New drivers are out for AMD Radeon. You know, we know people have been having problems. And it looks like AMD specifically said in the notes that they should fix a lot of the problems people were having. And I think they even mentioned Battlefield specifically. Well, here's the thing. I installed the new drivers before I started recording because I was like, I got to test this. And it looks like Battlefield went down. What is this, Saturday, uh, February 29th, where I'm recording this portion of the podcast. They literally went down an hour before I needed to test it. So I'll let you guys know probably, hopefully, when Dan joins me, I'll have an update for you guys. Hopefully, you'll get working by then. But until now, I just, you know, I'm going to test them. You'll get an update on if the drivers work. And I will say this about testing the drivers. I'm not going to do the DDU thing and all this other stuff. When I put together that Radeon driver fix, you know, uh, uninstall all AMD chipset drivers and Radeon drivers with DDU, install this specific driver and everything should work, that type of thing. That was the solution. But I don't think the problem's entirely fixed until you can just download the newest AMD drivers And it says factory reset, you know, clean install option. All you should have to do is check those boxes and press install. And that goes for NVIDIA. That goes for AMD, Intel, any product. I shouldn't have to download something from a third party and uninstall things first. So I'm not really getting, and I usually don't have to, by the way, guys. Again, that DDU plus going back to October driver's solution was a solution if you're having problems. But I don't think anyone should ever have to do that. So I'm not calling this fixed until I can download the newest AMD drivers and the factory reset and clean install option is all I needed to do to get it to install properly. But I say the same for NVIDIA. If I have NVIDIA driver problems and I have an NVIDIA GPU now, and it's been smooth sailing, ironically, because it wasn't in the past, I'll report the same thing. We shouldn't need third-party software to make our products work. Okay, let us move on to a reader mail. As those of you in the Discord know, I added a section for wagers. I want you guys to start challenging me, challenging Dan, challenging our guests to defend our opinions for two reasons. One, because it is good to have us challenged so that we stay honest and you call us out and we don't become full of shit, frankly. Uh, But number two, also, because I think sometimes when we're talking so much, our passion gets the better of our intention, the message we're trying to say. Like, I think that a lot of people think I think some things, but I don't necessarily think that. And so fill up those wagers, guys. And I want to do a mailbag die shrink, too. Like, send out that reader mail, guys. You're all there. There's hundreds of you. Many joined in the past month. It's been a good February for the channel. Uh, Use the reader mail. Use it. Right? Fatboy Diesel writes in with a wager. And he says, are you willing to bet $20 on your assertion that LG's upcoming 48-inch 4K OLED TV will be priced at 800 to 900. And so for those who don't know, I don't remember how big the initial OLED TVs are, but if I remember correctly, every year since 2017, LG's adding smaller and smaller OLED models. Now this year 2020, they're going to add a 48-inch model and it's going to be priced at 800 to and and we don't know the price yet. Sorry. We don't know the price yet. But if they were selling the 55-inch for 2,500 at launch. That was a big deal though because it had HDMI 1, 2.1. It was actually, people who may not know, but like the 2017 to 2018 difference was just the, I believe the 2018 model or whatever, was it 20? Yeah, it was just more reliable than previous OLEDs, but still not perfect. The 2019 model of LG's OLED TVs wasn't just more reliable. It added full native FreeSync 120 hertz, and I think they just added G-Sync to it as well, by the way. Uh, gaming. And that's why they charged more. They made the ultimate gaming TV before anyone else did. And I tested it. It has below five milliseconds of latency. Depends what you count latency, though. I don't want to get into that debate. I found its latency was almost the same as my one millisecond 144 hertz TN panel. For gaming. So th- that's the point, though. And that's why they charge more. But as they go to a smaller screen size, as they go to 48 inches, I think it's logical to assume prices will go down. And remember, they're competing with themselves. I'm pretty sure right now you can get the 55 inch 120 hertz OLED from last year for about $1,500. So here's my point, Fatboy Diesel. If the 55 inch that's 120 hertz from last year is 1500 I would assume the 48 inch model can't cost more than that. And so you're betting me. You're saying, what I bet $20, it will be priced at $900. Not at launch, no. But what I bet that it'll be under 1000 See, think about what I'm saying here. The 55-inch model went from $2,500 to $1,500. It dropped a 1000 It dropped a grand off the price over a year. And that's what happens with these new technologies as they keep being improved with newer models. The old ones lose price quickly. So the 48-inch model, I don't know if they'll launch below... 1500 necessarily, but I think it'll be around there. And do I think it's going to be about a thousand within a year from now? Yes. So I would, I would bet $20 on this. I would bet anyone $20. Well, I guess not anyone. I can't bet everyone because then it might add up and I'll lose a thousand, but I would bet one person, $20 that that 48 inch model will be under a thousand dollars a year from now, not the end of 2020, but by March, by March, 2021, that 48 inch model will be under a thousand. And by then, they'll be ready to launch their new models, which will probably be down to 39 or 32 inches. And that is when the revolution will happen. Well, that'll be right around when the EVE monitors are coming out. Now, these are IGZO IPS, the IGZO crystal IPS monitors, 144 hertz, 4K, one millisecond response times coming out for 600 bucks at the end of this year. So yeah, and then that's what I've been saying, whether it's OLED or not, 4K, 120 hertz, low latency, gorgeous displays will be out below $1,000 by early 2021, I'm sure. And that's why I refuse to pay more than, well, I refuse to buy almost any gaming monitor now because I know it's around the corner. You know what? Those will be launching right around when RDNA 2.0 is all out, when Ampere is out, when the next-gen consoles are out, and the next-gen consoles will support 4K 120 hertz. It all makes sense. That's the inception point. But that's my bet, Fatboy Diesel. Thank you. Essen writes in with a correction, and he says, Hello, I've noticed this is a very common mistake not only on your end, but beware, but all over the TechTuber space. Beware of the confusion between architecture and microarchitecture. Architecture is into the specs, and microarchitecture is the implementation. You're right, Essen, and I do fuck that up all the time. Thank you for the correction. You often want to talk of the implementation, not the spec. That's right. I- I do, I do screw that up. Yeah, I I really yeah. The micro architecture is the actual implementation. It'd be like saying Sunny Cove. Right in again if I fucked it up again. But all right, and Libo Kinkilo did, and he says, hey, general question for Radeon Seven people: How much VRAM utilization should a game draw with high bandwidth cache on my system? RAM gets pushed past fifty percent all the time. But the GPU VRM will still be 5200 with odd spikes to 7.2, followed by crashes. Are my games at max settings? I usually hold fine. Is this a driver bug, game bug, or am I a noob? Is this a noob bug? Well, so here's the thing, Levo King. It's worth pointing out that high utilization is not the same thing as almost being maxed out, right? Like when you see a CPU utilization, it seems to be a good indication on Ryzen, but on Intel, it, it it's in the PC's best interest to max out your components as much as possible. But just because it's, co- you know, just because the utilization's high doesn't mean it's going to get bogged down. And that's especially true of VRAM. So if you have 16 gigabytes of RAM, it doesn't mean you need 24 soon if a game's using 14. It just means the game is filling up that VRAM as much as possible because it can, because it might give it better performance if it puts as much info in the VRAM buffer as it can to reference quicker. And that's something that's important to really point out here, that I really think four gigabytes of VRAM will be enough for like medium 1080p gaming for the next few years, even though the consoles will probably have 20 gigabytes of RAM total or more, maybe. I don't know. Heard rumors that the PS5 is considering 32 to try to counteract the Teraflop advantage Xbox has. We'll have to see. Anyways, though, back on subject um and and if you see that max out at four gigabytes, well, you know just you'll have to turn down settings, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's bogged down, and the same will go with eight gigabytes. I don't think anyone's gonna need more than eight gigabytes for their cards, certainly not in ten eighty p fourteen forty p no. And even in four k, um there will be some settings you can turn down. and if you have sixteen gigabytes of RAM now, like I said, if it's at like fourteen gigabytes, that does not mean that you need 24 all of a sudden. That just means it's using the RAM you got. You got it, baby, use it. And the opposite is also true. TechSpot pointed out that, well, the 1063 gigabyte was showing decent performance in 1080p games. This was years ago, I think, when they did this, but TechSpot showed a 1063 gigabyte. It's a little misleading that it might be performing the same as a 574 gigabyte because most benchmarking platforms that tech sites use do they have, right? Like a 3900X or a a 9900KS with 32 gigabytes of ultra-fast RAM. Is that the system someone has if they use a 1063 gigabyte? No, I I don't think it is, guys. So what they found is that if you had eight gigabytes, if you had less than eight gigabytes of DDR4 in a 1063 gigabyte, you were getting massive stuttering problems. But then, If you had a 16 gigabyte DDR4 system in the 1063 gigabyte, it would just use way more DDR4 for the buffer and you would have a decent experience, right? So just keep that in mind that the other side is true too, that you might not have any VRAM problems with an eight gigabyte card if you have 16 gigabytes of DDR4, but if you have an eight gigabyte DDR4 system, you got to make sure you got enough VRAM to make up for that. Another thing to think about in laptops too, you know, like with the MX 50, MX 250, two gigabyte. That that two gigabytes actually does offload some RAM in some of your games. Two gigabytes is enough. Anyways, I'm getting off subject. Let us move on. Here we go to the stories. So, story number one is AMD taking market share from Nvidia last quarter, and I quote from TechSpot. John Petty Research, JPR, has published the latest update on the state of the GPU market, and it's good news for AMD in the fourth quarter of last year. Team Red saw its shipments increase 22.6% from the previous quarter. NVIDIA, meanwhile, expressed a 1.9% decline. So this is important to point out, I think, just because I continue to see this to this day. Oh, what doesn't matter what AMD does, Nvidia will just sell more cards anyways. But guys, that's not true. AMD has been taking market share year over year since last year with their graphics cards even before Navi came out. The dirt cheap Vega 56 and RX 560 were RX 570 were taking market share from Nvidia, and it's because of mindshare. And this is something I will hammer forever. I got into PC hardware super hard in like 2000. Well, I mean, I was gaming on PC since the early 2000s, even more so than console some years. But I really got into the stuff around the as I've said over and over. That's really where I dug deep into the architectures and stuff. And so that's that from then onward is what I know best. And I remember... AMD having better products and selling worse. And I, and, and all of those old adored videos you'll look at and he'll be like, it's about Mindshare. It's about Mindshare. And then good old gamer said it. It's about Mindshare. It's about Mindshare. Not an Apple fan. All these tech tubers talking heads would say it's about Mindshare. Well, okay, AMD's got Mindshare now with Ryzen. <laughs> and I still see people saying these things like, well, NVIDIA has more Mindshare. Except they don't. Except they don't. <laughs> like if you believe your own narrative that it's all about Mindshare, then you have to concede that if Zen's doing well, their graphics should do better too. Because if you look historically, AMD products have always done, I mean, all AMD products like Radeon have always done better when their CPUs are perceived as better than Intel. That's always, or at least around the same. That's even true with Phenom too. You saw a bump in Radeon sales around Phenom too. And everyone says it's because the 5870 and the 60, you know, 6000 series were the best from AMD, which they were very good, but it is a coincidence that that happened when Phenom 2 is out, guys. It is a coincidence. Right? And I just want to point all of that out, right? That it's both. It's both their products, but it's also their mind share. And for AMD, the best way to get high mind share in quotation marks is to have great CPUs because people think of AMD as a CPU company first. And so if their CPUs are doing well, they will sell more products that have an AMD sticker on it in general. And right now they are. And that's showing. And that's why I think NVIDIA can't fuck around with Ampere, by the way, guys. I think NVIDIA knows that if RDNA 2 is a home run, and it probably will be very good, that they need to swing back super hard. That's what's going to happen, I think. Anyways. Moving on to story number two. DLSS 2.0 is apparently a game changer. Again, quoting from TechSpot, there are lots of genuine positives to take away from how DLSS performs in its latest iteration. After analyzing DLSS and Youngblood, there's no doubt that the technology works. The first version of DLSS was unimpressive, but it's almost the opposite with DLSS 2.0. The upscaling power of this new AI-driven algorithm is remarkable and gives NVIDIA a real weapon for improving performance with virtually no impact to visuals. So I don't have much to add to story number two, just that I have to point it out. I've been shitting on DLSS so, so, so remarkably hard since it was ever a thing. And I just want to say out loud, hey, if it's working now, which it sounds like it is, at least it's better than before. It does apparently give you Not much of a image quality hit while raising performance notably. That's good. That's a big deal. And you see, and you know what? They had to get it working, right? Because AMD was already working on a similar technology themselves with image sharpening. And uh, yeah, just pointed it out that that's really impressive. And it bodes so well for what's going on. Because I got to be honest, guys, the dedicated upscaler chips like the Xbox and the PlayStation Specifically, the PS4 Pro, I know, had a custom one that they redesigned after the PS4. And I got to say, when I was playing Death Stranding and Red Dead Redemption 2 on a PS4 Pro, although most of Red Dead Redemption 2 I actually played on the base PS4, um, they run it at half 4K and then upscale it to full 4K. That's what a lot of PS4 Pro games do. So it's like a resolution slightly below 1440p, but then they have the dedicated upscaling checkerboard uh, chip in there. That looked really good. And it's about time PC gets something similar because you can make fun of consoles for upscaling all you want. But I'm here to tell you guys, it's not as good looking as 4K, but I would say it's halfway there while having the performance hit of 1080p. And that's something PC gamers should want from both Nvidia and AMD. So I'm excited to see it come around next gen, right when we're about to get much more powerful graphics cards. I really think 4K gaming at 120 Hertz is just going to be a thing next year pretty easily um especially with all this new upscaling and sharpening tech all right now let us move on now this one here is about the 9900 KS being end of life already apparently i just want to hi- i'm not going to spend too much time on this stuff guys because uh, i don't think there's that much to say but this really pisses me off actually <laughs> because This is exactly what I said, that the 9900KS was a paper launch and that it was basically barely just lower single-digit percentage points better than the 9900K, and it was just so they could claim they were better than the 3950X at gaming. If you go to TechSpot's tuned memory timings comparison with the 3950X and the 9900KS, you saw the 3950X was only 4% weaker. Yeah, that's a 9900K. And now we know the 9900KS wasn't even a real product. I I don't have much to say. I just, guys, AMD's top gaming processors, which there's really three. And if you use timed memory, uh, tuned memory, and do some undervolting, the 3800X, the 3900X, and the 3950X all game the same. All three of those game the same. And it's 4% weaker than Intel's non-existent 9900KS, which means it's the same as a 9900K, guys. It's just... (sighs) Well, I got to move on to story number four. So, story number four. And this is a motley crew of three stories i put together. Uh, so, so do check the description for the links. But it's, I just call number four, reality check on Intel's current performance and how inadequate Comet Lake S is about to be. So number one, we have a, le- a leak of the i7-10700F. This is the eight core, 16 thread i7. That will be Comet Lake probably coming out in a few months. And it doesn't really perform as well as the 9900K guys, suggesting the 9900K really is just the best you're going to get. That any that the best eight core i7 coming out with 16 threads will just be a 9900K. And I mean, why would you doubt this? The 9900KS was single digit percentage points better, 14 nanometers tapped out. In the first link in the description, I have the i7-10700F 7, actually uh, matching the 3,700X. This is absolutely ridiculous. I, I don't have much to say to hit this, just that. Don't expect much. Uh, we have, and, and I have other links here showing the 7,700K, which is what the top i3 is going to be. It can't even match the 2,700X in gaming. So the 2,700X is selling for $120 right now. $120, guys. And the top i3, even a 5 gigahertz 4-core 8-thread, it's not even going to beat the $120, 2700X at gaming. It'll probably use the same amount of energy. And the i7 8700K, I also have a link in here. If you look uh, at some of these benchmarks, the 8700K is there. It trades blows with the 3700X. Intel 6-core in uh, trades blows with AMDs, like below $300 8-core. So they're going to have to make their i5s are going to have to be 200 bucks. Intel's 8 core i7s are going to have to be 300 at most. And I don't know what they can do with their i3s. You have the $80 uh, 12 nanometer plus 1600 AF 6 core 12 thread processor from AMD already likely wiping the floor with Intel's i3s. They have the 8 core 2700X at 120. I just I don't think Comet Lake's going to do anything. And when you see 5.3 gigahertz velocity boost, what do you think that means on that 10-core, guys? That just means it's going to boost like Zen 2 does. Zen 2 does boost to 4.7 gigahertz. I've seen my 3950X do it, but it's for like a split second. That's going to be the same with the 10-core from Intel, split second boosting to 5.3 gigahertz. It's just going to be a 150 watt or more, it sounds like, 5 gigahertz 10-core that ties the 12-core 3,900X that will use less energy. And it's coming out like a year after Zen 2. Who cares? Ugh, I'm getting tired here. I'm going to need to get Dan in here soon to wake me up. Before I do, one more reader mail. Before Dan joins, Fatboy Diesel writes in and he says, the 3,800X is already 299 at Micro Center and sold out at my four New York locations. Even the 3,700X and 3,600X is still in stock. It looks like the 3800X hit the pricing sweet spot. And I absolutely agree, Fatboy So That's why I bring this up, is that these prices are coming down. We're already seeing uh, hints that, like, even the 3950X will be 700, 650. I just, you guys got to understand that this is what Intel's contending with. Here's probably going to be the lineup for Zen 2 when Comet like drops 600, like 650 or seven. Uh, let's say $700 16 core 3950X, $700. Yeah. Okay. So I think it'll probably be $600. 3950X if AMD cares. Although that one's a market leader, so they might just keep the price high people keep buying it. But let's say $600 16-core, $400 3,900X, $300 3,800X, $250 3,700X, and like 180 3,600X. And I know the 3,600 is already below 150. And then at 120, you'll get the 8-core 2,700X and at 80 bucks they'll just keep that 1600. I don't know how the hell Intel competes with that. Cuz the only way I can actually see them doing that is a $400 10-core. But it doesn't it still has the security problems. It still uses too much energy. It still doesn't have PCIe 4.0. It can't use the latest storage and the consoles will use the latest storage. You want that. You want the ability to add that in the future. So I don't know. I don't know how Intel competes. But I do know from some sources I've talked to that they are already doing massive price cuts behind the scenes. And some of that's public leaks for their Xeons. I just, I wouldn't rule it out that we might have like a 10 core from Intel at 350, an 8 core at 250, and the i5s at 150. Even the i5k at 150 and the i3s below 100 bucks. At the very least, that's what Intel's going to need to do to get any market share. All right, that will do it for the Tom Only section. Let us know in the comments what you think about this organization. but. Finally, putting down his bags, just getting out of his Uber, let me introduce the usual co-host, Dan. How you doing? What up? I'm fine, I guess. <laughs> A little tired. <laughs> yeah, Um. so how are the interviews? So why don't you tell people why you uh, forlorned me for the first third of the episode? What were you busy up to this weekend?
1: Yeah, so I had graduate school interviews this weekend and I think they went well, but it's kind of hard to tell with this kind of stuff. Hopefully I'll know. Now the... was it just with one college? I don't remember. Did you have two? Um, I had one college this weekend. I'm There's actually another one scheduled for the same weekend, which I'm still trying to like sort out how to work with them. They've been kind of difficult for some reason. Well, wait, but... it's
0: not What do you mean the same weekend? Can't be today.
1: Well, there were, I had two interviews. The interviews were scheduled for the same weekend and I've been trying to sort out with the other college that I wasn't able to go to. Oh, so you're kind of handling things though on the side the whole time. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so I was interviewing at one college all weekend and, um, hopefully I get in. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Well, we, we all think you're, well, I don't, I guess I can't speak for the viewers. I don't know if they, I think they think you're smart. You've been pulling it off so far, convincing them you're smart. I believe. Although you, they say you got to stop agreeing with me. I'm going to be honest, Dan. Well, <laughs> I'm going to level with, with you, you on
1: that. Fuck you.
0: All right. Well, So there <laughs> you go, guys. Dan does push back sometimes. Actually, speaking of disagreeing, I do have a, a correction and omission I saved for you. I went through most of them before you got here. Apparently, it wasn't Tony Hawk, Dan. It was Danny Way who jumped the Great Wall, which I actually have the video pulled up right now. I'm going to watch it quick. There he goes. Yep. Fuck your heritage. Yeah, he landed it.
1: <laughs> and you can, did you get visual confirmation that wasn't Tony Hawk? Ooh, kind of wiped out at the very end, but it was a smooth wipeout. He's okay. I, I did not get
0: visual confirmation. You're right. I mean,
1: I don't know. So we it still have been. no evidence that it wasn't Tony Hawk. Now, I know people are saying it's Danny Way, and I know I don't keep track of skating at all. So I. Was completely entirely unqualified. So I was speaking entirely out of my ass when I said it was Tony Hawk. But I'm still sticking to my guns that that was Tony Hawk in a Danny Way skin suit. You know, this is a family that doesn't cut and run. <laughs> All right? We stick to our guns. Yeah. Even in the face of knowing we are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have a... Uh, Let's see here.
0: I have a reader. I'm going to add this too. Did you know I've been pronouncing Van Gogh wrong? And I probably
1: will continue to do it. How how do you say it? Thank you. Well, you. How do you think you say it? Well, you have this little video on how to say it. I thought it was Van Gogh. But no, apparently it's more like Van Uh. (laughs) Gogh. Which is
0: the problem. I don't want to throw out my throat, guys. I mean, I spend a lot of time talking here. And if I say Van Gogh. um. I can't keep saying it, so I don't know. Maybe I'll just call it VG. You got an old VG over here.
1: Or we'll just keep saying Van Gogh because that's how literally everyone in America says it. Yeah, it's just something
0: people still don't get. I've seen in a recent video, my all uh, recent videos, you still see people say, why did you say it this way? It's like, well, that's how everyone says that word in, in the Midwest. So that's why I say it that way. Are you aware there's a thing such as accents? But some people still seem to think there's no such thing as accents.
1: I don't believe that. It. It's just their accent. You just think everyone else it's, sounds they're weird? They're all conspiracies. I think any every foreign country I've ever been to, they're just putting on that accent. I know what you're doing, England. <laughs> well, that
0: actually is true. A lot of people don't know that, but they believe around the American Revolution that in reality, the Southern accent we hear right now is pretty similar to what English people sounded like, but they they decided in London to come up with this new accent, right, or something like that to sound different than Americans. I mean, that sounds ridiculous, but that's what I've read.
1: I've read the history like six times, and I always forget it. It's not at the American Revolution that they did it, but it was sometime, I think, around the turn of the 20th century, I want to say, they... Like aristocracy started speaking with a non rhotic accent, so they started dropping their R's. And then over time, that just became the standard, which is why you still see like some poor
0: schedule,
1: some poor, uh, like English accents, like Cockney, still have like some of the harder R's in their accent, even though it's British. But yeah, there's a there's this island, I think, in Virginia that they think is, um, what English people would have sounded like back during the American revolution. And it's not very
0: hard to understand. (laughs) Yes.
1: I've heard it before too, actually.
0: Um, so I guess let us continue then before we continue with these news stories. I have a couple of reader mails. So Bullethead writes in and he says, with all the tech industries, companies delaying their conferences due to the spread of the virus that cannot be named on YouTube. What do you think would be the tipping point for Sony, Microsoft, AMD, other hardware software companies to just cancel the usual summer August conference convention circuit and announce things via their own streams? Well, first of all, I gotta say Sony's probably pretty happy about skipping E three at this point, right?
1: I mean, yeah, especially E three. They, uh, I mean, they were talking about that on like Sacred Symbols recently. E 3s kind of a uh, no one really seems to care about it anymore. So, I think Sony ultimately made the right decision. Like E three doesn't matter. Yeah, more prudent than they could have ever realized at the time. But when will they can't like start canceling? I mean. I think if they straight up wouldn't be able to meet expectations for like consoles at the end of the year, maybe they'll, they would have to like make announcements and delay and do their own streams. But I don't know. It doesn't seem like that's going to happen where they won't be able to meet any demand yet, at least as far as I've read. I
0: said this on the last loose ends. I really think what's going to happen is, if anything, we'll get like month a month delays on a lot of products. Some products might be delayed half a year, but I think a lot of things are mostly just going to be delayed weeks or not months. So I guess up to like maybe six weeks, then right. And then you'll get to this situation though where it's like the PlayStation Five, the Xbox come out December instead of October or November. Like, and the and the supply will be very constrained.
1: I would still think Microsoft and Sony would try to target like a October to November release window just so they have um, a month for people to buy stuff for like Christmas gifts. They wanted to come out now. It's just a matter of, you know, because yeah, I mean December would look, would be bad for them. Unless like the demand is so constrained that they timing they just doesn't don't have really a matter. Which I, but mean, I don't
0: think they'll let it slip till next year. I think that they will try, even if it's just 20 consoles, they want to get it out for the holiday season.
1: I guess I don't know how many consoles would they need to produce where it wouldn't sell out day one. Like, no, but it could be 3 million consoles, and I bet they would sell out day one.
0: <laughs> Probably. I mean, they sold out 5 million day one with the PS4 and Xbox One. Both of them did.
1: Didn't the PS4, it sold 1 million in its first day? didn't it? Or...
0: Uh, I'm th- I might
1: be thinking of first month. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, I mean, so they're going to sell out no matter what. So I don't even know if release date matters that much. I mean, maybe they'll sell a little mm-hmm. bit more if they're, they're able to sell in the lead up to the uh, holiday season. But that's also just like the general wisdom. Maybe it hasn't been tested in a long enough time where that's not true anymore. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and, yeah, I mean, that's a good point, too. I, uh, with regards to the actual conferences, though, like you said, they talked about it on Sacred Symbols, a podcast we listened to. A good point they brought up is, like, you could not think of a worse convention to go to with the COVID-19 outbreak. Like, literally handing controllers between people in these VR devices. Thank God they're not revealing PSVR, two right away. <laughs> Imagine, you just, you just put your eyeballs in other people's eyeballs while there's an outbreak going on. Well, I guess let's move on, though. I guess we've said we think it's, yeah, I guess we've decided we don't think E3 will be completely canceled, but there's probably going to be some of them canceled. Do we agree on that, right? Yeah. I, I'd be surprised if some of these big ones weren't. So Dragonetti writes in and he goes, I bet you Moore's Law's dead. 20 euro Intel's general shortages in all current 14 nanometer plus, 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 and 10 nanometer production capacity and product lines will continue for the next two or three years. So he's betting, I bet me 20 euro that they're, um, Shortages will continue for the next three years. First of all, I'm not taking that bet. I think I agree with you. (laughs) And he says, we also don't know if and how far they are with their seven nanometer production process, if they get it working when the seven nanometer is ready for mass production. So I guess, and this is kind of, I I kind of took this for the the reader mail for the loose ends. He kind of asked two questions. So he was talking about how there's only so many UV machines made for the components for them, and that those are bought years ahead of time. So that Intel might say they're going to get seven nanometer EUV running, but they literally couldn't be in the production (laughs) capacity they need. Um, But yeah, I mean, uh, my understanding about 10 nanometer is that they can transition a lot of their 14 nanometer fabs to it. So I just think that's what they're going to do is transition some of their 14 nanometer to 10, try to get that working, and then start working on ramping up seven from their other 14 nanometer fabs as much as possible at the same time. You're just going to have this stopgap 10 nanometer, and then they'll just try to ramp up seven. As, yeah, But I, I, well, there's no way at the end of 2021, seven nanometers going to be ramped up nearly as much as Intel wants us to believe. It just won't be ready.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, and with how far behind 10 nanometer is, uh, it, 10 nanometer kind of has to be a stopgap if they want to have any hope of catching up in like five years, so... <laughs> Uh, maybe at, at a certain point they have to accept their losses and there's going to be shortages just because they need to be designating fabs to like production of seven, early seven nanometer products and like prototype products. I I don't know. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Well, and, and again, that's why it's just so important that 10 nanometer works with how they literally can't ramp up seven quickly. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Even if they get it working, um, But anyways, let us move on to story number five. So this I really hit home in my forty nine hundred H video, but I really I just called this article this story Renoir is going to destroy the MX three fifty. We have a leak showing Vega 7, so that's seven compute units, one disabled, and the R7 4700U. So this isn't even the 4800H. This is the lower-clocked version of the seven-compute unit Renoir. And it's beating the MX250 by 17% in 3 Mark graphics.
1: Yeah, and then below that, you have another story posted. The MX350 beats the MX250 by 20%. So right. assuming assuming uh Vega 7 doesn't Vega 7 isn't the top of their lineup which we yeah, know not it even isn't even the best
0: not even the best <laughs> Vega 7 too
1: yeah i mean it's i wouldn't be surprised if what the like 4800h or whatever beats it or, by or yeah or for yeah or 4900 by another 20% i yeah. think the
0: very top ones could at least beat this by 20% i think it's just game over
1: i mean yeah i i, I don't know it looks like nvidia really <laughs> fucked up with whatever concept they were trying to go with for their low-powered GPUs for uh, laptops.
0: And that's what I pointed out in my MX350 video last month. Like, like really, I think it was last month. Maybe it was just a couple weeks ago. Like, really look at this, too. This is what's really bad, Dan. This MX250 in the benchmark is the 25-watt version. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't bode well for... Uh, the MX330.
1: Yeah, that doesn't bode so well yeah, for
0: Like I said, and it beats the 25-watt MX250, which will be what the MX330 is, the equivalent of it, 10 watts at best, I would say, actually. This is the seven-compute unit by 17%. So if you go down to six-compute units, which will be in the R5 4500U, the 4600U, like, you're talking about AMD's $600 laptop version, the six-core version with six-compute units, probably beating the MX330. Like, that's very bad. That's well, like the only place I could see this ever making sense is with the weaker APUs from Intel and AMD, which I'm sure they'll pair them with Intel garbage CPUs. But I mean, this is, <laughs> and then again, and then think like, so then that means the 4,700 and 4,800, U will easily match the 350 and the 40. Yeah. And then the 4,900, whatever's in it, which I speculated could actually have nine to 12 compute units. Actually, there's room in the die that that might still be there. Um, But even if it's just eight compute units and the 4,900 is the fastest clocked ones, I just don't see the world where it makes sense to add this $30 graphics card instead of paying $80 for the 4,800U instead of $30 for the... I mean, $50 for the 4,700U, whatever the price difference is. Like, I just don't see a world where using these MX cards makes absolutely any sense.
1: Well, the world where it makes sense is if there's a business partnership between the (laughs) OEMs (laughs) and NVIDIA. I mean, I think... I I think you would be best off buying a like what 47 or 4800, whatever uh, products Mm. come out with those CPUs. But we'll see what we'll see which companies end up using them in the American market. Chinese Lenovo is going to be using Vega, right? Or no, they're not. Never mind. I got articles mixed up.
0: Yeah, that's what we're looking at here. Is it uses Ice Lake, which I'm seeing Ice Lake in more and more products. So it's clear 10 nanometer is getting a bit better, but in terms of yields, but Yeah, I mean, this is the, for $840, $840, you get the i7 Ice Lake, which is good, but Renoir is better, guys, and 16 gigabytes of RAM, half a terabyte NVMe drive, and then you'll get an MX350, I believe. Yeah. 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 I'd rather just have eight-core Renoir. (laughs) I'd probably (laughs) rather have six-core Renoir.
1: (laughs) I mean, yeah, we'll see, but uh, we don't know how much those are going to cost yet, really, do we? Because I, I mean, it, uh,
0: we know that. The, like I said, we know that Acer's already showing off a six hundred dollar laptop with the six core twelve oh, okay. Renoir. and that should be the equivalent of the stronger i sevens and an MX three fifty.
1: Yeah, and for or
0: well, in between a three thirty and a three fifty, I'd actually say.
1: Yeah, and for six hundred, that might be a that seems like a pretty good deal. Who knows? Maybe I'll buy that to start out my graduate school career. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we'll see.
0: Currently, I am in the process of breaking down my mining rigs. It's just not profitable anymore, and I want to use some of the spare parts plus a few new ones to build my first benchmarking station. Now, what most people might not be able to guess is that my mining rigs all used windows and ones with legitimate keys. But getting those legitimate keys was a hassle. I was forced to scour eBay and be discerning and making sure that the people selling those $10 Windows keys weren't a scam. And sometimes the keys didn't work and I had to fight for my money back. But you don't have to if you go to CDK Offers. Go to cdkoffers.com and use the promotional code Broken Silicon to get 25% off an already cheap list price of Windows 10 Professional. Then all you do is click on your email account, go to User Center, and then My Purchase Orders to get the code. Just use this code with a normal download of Windows 10 Professional from Microsoft's website. All right, links in the description. Uh, Moving on, Phil writes in 100 buckaroos that this is another wager. I bet you 100 buckaroos that Big Navi does the same 290X gains and takes the crown, but that AMD doesn't actually capitalize on it correctly again. Um, You know what? I I might take that bet because I don't think AMD is going to fuck this one up. But I only would take that bet if we knew for sure it was launching before Ampere. Because if it's launching before Ampere, I think it takes the performance crown for sure. And I think it just, uh, I think they'll, I mean, I just tested the new drivers, right? Um, which, uh, let me say that, in the first part of recording this episode, I said that I downloaded the new drivers from February 29th, but that I wasn't able to test them yet because Battlefield was down. But I have since tested it since we started recording, and it works. For hours, it worked. Have you have you
1: been able to test that yet? Uh, So I had to go into work today and run some air... In- for a little bit and run some errands i left battlefield running but at some point the server disconnected so i have no clue how long it ran for so but, but uh, you I,
0: were you were but my, battlefield
1: was still running right yeah so my pc didn't okay. crash so <laughs>
0: same thing happened to you with the
1: server yeah <laughs> so I, I so it ran for somewhere between 15 minutes and like two and a half hours i have no clue though unfortunately but it did there wasn't any crashes the game just kick booted me at one some point, I think.
0: Yeah. I think then it's fair to say though, that it works better than before, right?
1: Yeah, definitely. Where before I, my, I mean, before my computer would just crash every couple hours while gaming with the, uh, what was that? December drivers, December, January drivers. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: So let, let's just say that then I think they may have mostly fixed it at least right now already. Kind of like I expected them to. Um, and with that in mind, I just don't. I think they've learned their lesson. I bet a dude tech tubers hammered them so hard and I bet that scared the shit out of them right before big Navi comes out. <laughs> I just don't see them fucking that up. So again, if it launches before I would bet they actually hit a home run with big Navi. Well, and i um, not a hundred dollars. I bet 20, Bet 20 bucks. They hit a home run if it comes out first.
1: And I will also add, I think they kind of have mind share. Like we've, kind of hammer that home for a bit now. And if they can take the uh, performance crown, even if it's just for a few months, that will also help increase mind share. And if they do marketing properly, maybe they can actually sell a decent amount of cards. I don't know how much they'll market it. They AMD seems to just generally be pretty bad at marketing though.
0: They're getting better. Yeah. I, I also, I'd say this about big Navi too. I bet they will just delay its launch two weeks. If the drivers aren't working at this point, like I think they just don't want that to be something that holds them back because they need the first reviews to be good. <laughs> you know, let's move on to number six then speaking of big graphics cards. So we got to talk about this benchmark here showing an NVIDIA Ampere card. This is on WCCF tech where they detail a major leak. Now this is only on Geekbench, so we can't say for sure how much better it is, but what we can say is this, Leaked card at 7552 CUDA cores and it beat the Titan RTX in this benchmark by
1: 40%.
0: So, mm, so it's a big boy. <laughs> yeah, it's a big boy. And there were rumors that they were working on an 826 millimeter squared card. I mean, well, this looks like it. So, and although it was only supposedly, who knows if it was reported correctly. Uh, you know these early drivers sometimes can be all over the place and how accurate they are. But it said it was only running at eleven hundred megahertz.
1: Yeah, I mean I noticed that too. I don't know what that means. Maybe this is like an early, like I don't know, engineering sample or something. I don't know if that how that works with GPUs. But maybe it will have a end score of like I don't know, eighteen hundred megahertz or something more in line with what they usually have.
0: But if it maybe. did, that would
1: be the titan rtx by like probably 70 percent or something right which is kind of what we were expecting yeah honestly you know and this is a bigger card
0: than the titan rtx on a newer node so i i I think it's all within reason the only thing i will say is i wouldn't rule out that this is actually what they're making to fight arcturus which it probably is and that their ga103 that's a 320 bit Card that probably will beat the 2080 Ti by a tad. And the RTX 3080 Ti with 384-bit. That one, and then 24 gigabytes. I don't know. I I could see this. I think that one was called GA102. So GA103, 320-bit. GA102, I believe, was 384-bit. And the rumor was GA100. I think this could just be GA100. And it would not surprise me if... I mean, look at the, the Titan Volta launched... I mean, they had a $1,000 Titan, then a $1,200 Titan, then a $3,000 Titan Volta, but it was on 12 nanometer with HBM in 2017. So that was kind of a big deal. Yeah. And, and then they went to a $2,500 Titan RTX, and which was just better than Volta for most tasks you'd buy it for. Not all, though. I, it just wouldn't surprise me if they make a 32 gigabyte HBM2E titan ampere that's three grand and they're just like hey ga 100s there it's three grand 3500 maybe and we reserve the option to cut it down slightly and release some kind of like i mean i just want to know what they would call it like a cut down titan and then i just think you know this is why they're making they're beefing up the 3080 die and the 3080 ti die is so that that can occupy the 700 to 1500 price range and then this will just Titan Volta, Titan RTX they their top cards 3 grand not and, and they just don't really market it to gamers anymore although well, gamers are going to buy it. it
1: <laughs> well they always do. You I mean yeah, you have to buy the top end thing even if it's not beneficial for you to have it. Uh I was going to ask uh though so is Ta one hundred or Turing one hundred die is that a tu one hundred tu one yeah. hundred is that uh is that the Titan RTX or is that a different card?
0: No, so the Titan RTX is actually tu one hundred two. Okay. Ta one hundred tu one hundred and I, I hope I'm not screwing this up. Is let me I wonder if they even have it here on this article. The, no, They don't have it. Um, I believe that is the HBM version. So that's the HBM two version. So it has the same amount of cores as, as tu one hundred two but it has a 4096-bit bus and 32 gigabytes of HBM. Okay. So that's kind of what I see this as, that they'll go with probably what sounds like, you know, like over 100 compute units (laughs) (laughs) for some crazy card, and then they'll go down to like 96 or something with 384-bit for the others. I I wouldn't rule out it being clocked lower than the previous gen, though, and they just add a ton of cores, I guess. I mean, maybe. I don't know. Probably not. That is a ton... Of course, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I mean that's what makes me think the very top model is meant to compete is meant to be a three thousand dollars Titan Titan Volta replacement and Titan RTX replacement and also compete with Arcturus. Well, speaking of Nvidia, I do want to touch on this just briefly. I saw the unboxing for the Cyberpunk twenty eight ATI edition. I'm just bringing it up because we talked about it before, and I said I put this here. I really, really think they made this. This is what story number seven is about. I really think this Cyberpunk edition, NVIDIA made a deal with the Cyberpunk devs to do this production run if Cyberpunk came out when it was supposed to instead oh. of being delayed to September. And now they just, they already have the molds and the boxes basically done. They're like, let's just do a couple hundred of them, I guess.
1: Yeah, I watched that video that from, on. I think it's NVIDIA marketing. Like they only made it is, 200 yeah. of them and they're not selling them. Yeah, like they have to make
0: them. Like, this is probably just like the first run, and they're like, oh, I guess we're not going to make it, but we'll keep these.
1: Yeah, and we'll give them away in a sweepstake or something, which I'll give them that. I do like the look. It looks pretty nice. It looks cool. It's a cool looking card. Yeah. Um, I will say this too, and this
0: is my tinfoil hat. I zoomed in, I saw no 11 gigabyte on the box. I was just thinking to myself, I wonder if they really were considering. A 12 gigabyte 2080 super to launch with this at the end of last year, beginning of this year. And then now they're pulling up Ampere because RDNA is a 2.0 is a bigger threat. And also Cyberpunk got delayed. So it just doesn't make any sense to release a super anymore.
1: Yeah, I mean <laughs> it's not really NVIDIA's fault or anything. Like they had to they they already made these cards, so they have to do something with them. But I just kind of think this entire story is funny where it's just Ah, shit, we have all these cards now. I don't know what to do with them. (laughs) Okay, and onward to the
0: console talk. Number eight. Xbox has basically confirmed what it is. On their website, you can go there now, and, you know, let me just read it off. They have 12 teraflops of compute performance, which that's a whole debate about what that will really mean, but we'll get to it. Variable rate shading, hardware accelerated direct X-ray tracing, which, again, that one's, it's like, you know, We'll get into it. And then quick resume for multiple games, smart delivery. I mean, all of this, we know how big it is. We know that it's using less than 300 watts. We know it's got a 400 millimeter square die and it's 12 teraflops. We basically know what the Xbox is. The first thing I would just say is anyone who doubted me or other channels that said the next-gen consoles are going to target 4K60 because it's common sense. There's no way they're doing 1080p or 1440p again. They already do that now. Uh, and that, that means it will be around a 2080 Ti. They'll use eight Zen 2 cores, and they will use at least 16 gigs of RAM. I am so insanely vindicated. That's exactly what we're getting out of this Xbox, first of all. Um, but that's all I got to say in the opening discussion. What what do you What was your reaction? Because this kind of just popped up out of nowhere. I woke up and saw this.
1: I mean, my reaction to, like, everything they're publicizing with what the new Xbox is, nothing surprises me. This is, like, pretty much within the realm of power we were expecting the Xbox One, I mean, fuck, the Xbox Series X to be. Um, Leaks for, like, months or maybe, yeah, at least a couple months now have been showing 12 teraflops or around 12 teraflops GPU performance. It's exactly what it was. It was always I guess, like
0: between nine and thirteen for both consoles. Yeah, I mean both. I I've seen rumors of around that for the PlayStation as well.
1: Yeah, and I guess I'll say they didn't talk much about the processor, so we still don't quite know what that is. But what it's probably going to be a three point six. Zen 2. It's going to be probably what a three point six gigahertz Zen two eight core CPU, somewhere yeah. in that range. I mean that doesn't say it, but that's what my guess for what it is is. Um. Yeah. Uh, so nothing hugely surprising aside from the fact that they're still at least being a bit vague i mean i I guess maybe this isn't vague in terms of console uh, announcements because this is just the general overview of how strong it is i get i doubt many people care about how many compute units it has especially people that track console uh news but, yeah. Let, let me summarize a couple
0: things I think people might not understand or, or or have realized, too. This is effectively, as far as I can tell, Zen 2 combined with the 5800 XT. This is not, I believe, the 5900 XT. This is the 5800 XT. Remember, there's always been a rumor that there would be two bigger dies. There would be a 256-bit die and then a bigger one that might have both GDR6 and HBM2 support. And I think that's what this is which means between 52 and 64 compute units. I think this will most likely have 52 or 56, though. Um, and that that means it might just have 16 gigabytes of GDR6. I think that's what we're looking at. And, and, and if you look at the bandwidth numbers leaked, it's like they can get to above 512 gigabytes per second with, 16 or 18 gigabit per second memory. I think 18 is what they will probably end up using as well. I don't think this is 384-bit. That's what I'm saying. I think it's 16 gigabytes of RAM, I think. (laughs) 256-bit, like 576 gigabytes per second of bandwidth. I think, and and 12 teraflops, I want to point this out too, that I can get to that number in multiple ways. I have a teraflop calculator here in Excel next to me. And so if I go with 52 compute units and 1.8 gigahertz clock speeds, I get to 11.98. So, but I could also go up to 56 compute units. Like, let me do that right now. So, let me type in 56. And then if I go down to 1.7, yeah. And then, like, it was rumored it might actually be lower than that. So then I get to 12 teraflops.
1: Which, I mean, based on rumors that we... I mean, not rumors, leaks, probably. uh, People were saying that it was probably going to be around, like, what, 1.7 gigahertz. So maybe it'll be 56. So, yeah, I mean, my guess is 56 compute units, 1.7 gigahertz.
0: Disabled from 60, probably.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then
0: the dev kits Um, will have 60 compute units, just like what they did with the Xbox One X. They gave four more compute units to the dev kits.
1: And things that they didn't include in this... Uh, announcement. So they didn't say how much RAM it would have, what type of RAM it, or what type of RAM it would have either. Correct? Unless I
0: right. So we still that. don't know. It could still be three twenty bit. It could be. It could mm-hmm. be three twenty bit. I don't think three eighty four though. I just think three twenty makes the most sense for a console. It's like twenty gigabytes of RAM is exactly how much you probably need.
1: Yeah. So I, I at least I'm still holding out hope that they'll, these consoles will have more than like sixteen or eighteen gigs of RAM, but. It's looking like that's probably what they'll have. Um, I don't know what else to say about that. I but. just
0: think 24 would be the perfect amount. But yeah, I think this is rumored to have about 20 gigabytes or 16 plus DDR4, which that's the new thing I've heard too, which I never heard early with the specs I saw. But who knows? But no, these <laughs> some pretty ridiculous people on Twitter talking about how it could be 3D stacked memory. And oh my God, some of the shit I'm seeing by some of these <laughs> fanboys being peddled. Um, yeah, let's calm down. Well, We we should just be happy with this. It's going to use ray tracing. It's going to be a 2080 Ti. It's going to have a, an SSD that is really at the limits of Gen 3. They were always planning to go with about 2 gigabytes per second. They were actually planning to go with slower SSDs, but then they caught wind of what Sony's doing, which sounds like it'll be at least the equivalent of 5.5 gigabytes per second. And so they've went with a faster one. It's barely Gen 4 SSD, although having a Gen 4 SSD controller on board is important if they release newer models with faster load times. You know, they can always upgrade it in the future. So I don't know how much more I have to add to that, except we still don't really know the ray tracing implementation. We still don't really know, I I assume a one terabyte uh, of storage. But... And I'm trying to think of other things here. It's going to have backwards compatibility. I guess the other big thing I got to say before I move on about this Xbox is I it does. I don't think it runs Windows. I think we can both say that, right?
1: Yeah, I, I think that was uh, in a lot of ways the thing we were hoping they would do. And I think if you look at the like lineage of what they've been doing with their consoles over time, I think it would make sense how you would arrive at that. But that's clearly not what they're doing at this point, so...
0: Yeah, I see the messaging here when I'm reading. And one of the things I'm seeing is a high, high emphasis on getting games on Xbox across all consoles. And I just, it just doesn't sound like it's running Windows. And I also find it interesting they mentioned variable rate shading because that's such a nerd thing to talk about. It'd be like if in the early release of the PS4 Pro, which I don't know, maybe they did do this. I don't know. They talked about FP sixteen a lot. They talked about it sometimes. I don't remember it being a main bullet point. I remember the PS four being like eight asynchronous compute units instead of you know the two and the seven eight seventy. Like I thought that was really weird. That's
1: a weird thing to mention out of the gate. It is. I, I I'm wondering what the reasoning behind the announcements they decided to go with. I'm wondering why the this is the laundry list of things they decided to talk about. I don't know. I, yeah. But
0: I guess let's leave it at that. I don't think I have much else to say except that, let me see this here. I did kind of parse out how much I think these things are going to cost to produce. And when I look at the XSX, I think this probably costs about 500 And by the way, I got to $475 for the bill of materials for the original PS4 leaks, PS5 leaks. And then we learned it was 470 So I think my estimations are pretty good. They're rough, but I think the Xbox Series X probably costs around 570 bucks to make. I wouldn't rule this out as being a $600 console, but I, I think if they want to win, they can't charge that much. Or if they want to do the best as they possibly can. And, and Although I will say this, when I look at the bill of materials, let's see, let me actually see what I can do here to make this cheaper. Because they there's the rumor they're going to have an Xbox X and the Xbox Stream. And that'll have... The same hard drive or a similar speed hard drive in the same processor, roughly, but everything else will be pared down to make a cheaper option. So let me see how much that would cost to make. Remove that. No displayer. Uh, probably cooling will be cheaper. Let's see. This will be cheaper. Yeah. See, this is the problem I have here.
1: Zero that out. Like what? maybe reduces the price by like 100 150 bucks. I don't know, I guess.
0: Yeah, so what I'm looking at here is a situation where they would probably have, instead of a $600 console, probably around a $400 console. But if it doesn't have a display, and I talked about this in the loose ends, if there's no display, you can't buy used games. So you have to buy things from the Microsoft store. So it would make sense for them to sell it at a bigger loss. And I think a $600 console will make sense if they just eat a huge bullet but then have something half as powerful, they sell for 300 without a disc player. And I think that could be a winning strategy if they both run the same games. One's in 1080p, mostly for streaming. I think that's that's an interesting strategy.
1: Yeah, I mean, it is. i, I I'm still personally a little skeptical on like the whole two-skew thing. I mean, I guess Microsoft... Well, the two-skew thing where they release them at the same time, just completely different strengths of power... Of the consoles. I mean, same processor
0: roughly, maybe, yeah. sl- but slower RAM, same amount of RAM, much slower RAM, same amount of RAM, and then a much weaker graphics card, but the same speed storage. It should run all of the same games. It's just if the RAM's slower and you have a, half the teraflops, you know, it'll, it'll probably run the games in 1080p instead of 4K.
1: I guess we'll see when they have an official, official, official announcement. But... <laughs> And they're not targeting VR, so they don't have to have some minimum
0: super powerful thing to run any VR device, at least not right now, which I guess brings us to the next story. Because now let us get to a new leak that came out about the PlayStation 5. So the rumor is that Sony is reactivating and this was something I talked about and was rumored from the beginning too when I saw some early performance targets and they were so different. I thought, I think there might be a PS5 Pro at launch and I do think Sony was considering it and now with seeing how powerful the Xbox is, I wouldn't rule out that they might have a PlayStation 5 Pro come out around the same time. But again, this is a heavy, heavy, heavy rumor, right? So... But it is a rumor that's popped up before. So I think it's worth pointing out.
1: And I'll also add to go back to the Xbox quick. um, If these rumors are about like a base PS4 pro PS5 model, that's around nine teraflops performance. You would think that the Xbox series X low powered version would need to be around $300 for it to be a viable opponent to whatever the PS5 base model is. If, all all of these different SKUs for both consoles are the reality of what's coming out on day one,
0: <laughs> right? And and so here here's what the argument would be, right? And I I have an Excel sheet pulled up that I'm kind of playing with while we're talking here. If there was a PS5 Pro, I think here's the two directions they would go. The rumor is that they had 36 compute units for the version they were going to launch in 2019. And that if they, but that they want to overclock it to keep up with the Xbox Series X. But if they're releasing a Pro, what that would tell me is they're probably considering just tampering down the original version to make it even cheaper and then beefing up another one or introducing an entirely redesigned one. And if I play with the specs here and we just go, this would be something that would destroy the base Xbox Series X and performance. But would definitely not be as good as the other one. So, like, let me let me change some of the numbers here and see how cheap they could make it because I I think I already know what I'm gonna find. Like, and then they just went with cheaper cooling and they didn't try to overclock to two gigahertz. Maybe they even put it all the way down. You know, so let me see here. So let's go with 36 compute units and say it's at like 1.9 gigahertz, and then you can use cheaper to cooling or something. Yeah, or like 1.95. And I think you get to nine teraflops there. Um, yeah, I think what they could do with that is make a console that only costs about 420 bucks to make. And if they did that, that could be their argument. So for $400, we're stronger than the weaker Xbox. And uh, it, we can use 36 compute units with a disabled one. Because that's always the question I had if they went with the 40 full compute unit and overclocked it. And then perhaps... What they will then do is go to 40. And this is what you guys got to understand. Die shrink it to, Well, and assuming these are on the same node, I don't know, right? That's a whole discussion as well, what node they're on. (laughs) Probably 7 nanometer EUV, but I wouldn't rule out other things. If I go up to like 2.2 gigahertz, which if it's on 7 nanometer EUV and it's just that many compute units, I wouldn't rule it out. 40 compute units at 2.2 gigahertz gets you to 11 teraflops. Like, that's how much clock speed can make up for having less compute units. I'm not saying that's what's going to happen, but I think that's one avenue they might go. The thing is, I think I cost this out, and I think this would probably be at least a $500 console. So we might get into this situation where there's like <laughs> where there's like a $600 <laughs> Xbox, a $300 Xbox, a $400 PS4, and a $530 PS4 or something. I don't know. I'm just PS5. throwing out ideas. PS Five. Yeah. I mean, yeah,
1: these it, fucking. Yeah, I, I I I know. Uh, you, know you guys know I'm talking, talking about, about next fucking gen. PS Three. P. I'm talking about PS Five. The one thing I would say is, um, do you think Sony would? It seems like it would be an odd strategy to me that they would launch two consoles at the same time that are within what would that be about the PS Five? Thirty percent of the same
0: about performance or something. Twenty, 40%, yeah, like twenty
1: five to thirty percent stronger, maybe. Or maybe I'm doing the math in my head wrong. But the one thing,
0: though, that I could see them doing, see, I agree. And and they have other options as well. Like they can go to 32 gigabytes of RAM. Like they could just try to beat them with the numbers game. Like that's how I could see this panning out, though, is it's like, well, the top model is 32 giga. Let's see, but that's just too much. That's like, what? Well, that's <laughs> such a waste of money, I think. But they, I mean, they could do it. And it would cost about the same to make as the Xbox, as far as I can tell, if they just used a smaller die with 32 gigs of RAM, and maybe they give it two terabytes. So maybe that would just be their strategy that they don't care. Their strategy is the PS5 Pro is 32 gigs of RAM. It has two terabytes of storage and it costs the same as the top Xbox. And
1: it's, it would be the same performance too. Uh, I don't know. And Maybe if there's like a custom ray tracing thing that uh, accelerator. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, maybe they remove that, right? Maybe if there's a stronger model or maybe there is variable, like the stronger model has a better ray tracing accelerator from whatever custom manufacturer they're going to, if it is custom, which we still don't know if that's true or not, I guess. Which it's still practically
0: a black box, how ray tracing is done on both consoles, let's be honest here.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: (laughs) I mean, who the hell knows what they're... They just won't... Nothing will be confirmed, (laughs) which makes me really start (laughs) questioning things how close we're getting here, by the way. Um, but yeah, so I don't know what I can say is if I fiddle with the numbers, I really think the Xbox is going to be $500 a minimum. I, it could be 600 as well. And it's going to run 4k 60. It's going to load games quickly. And I'm excited for next gen. Then when it comes to the PlayStation, whatever Sony's fucking with right now is going to be with him. And this is something I want to harp to before I move on, whatever comes out. Let's say they just overclock it. They have one model, which I kind of think that's the best option, by the way. I think the best option for Sony right now is one model and they just beef up the bandwidth and compute as much as they can and deal with it. I I think. But, you know, let's say it's just 10 teraflops, but a similar amount of bandwidth to the Xbox. Guys, you understand that's going to be like 10% the same graphics performance, right? If they have the same amount of bandwidth, even close... And the teraflop difference is 20%. The graphics will not look different. And, I, and I'm not well, defending yeah. it. I'm A- saying, and- do you guys understand what it took for the PlayStation 4 to have t- 1080p versus 900p on the Xbox One? It had to have 50% more teraflops and triple the bandwidth for that shit. Do you really think 20% teraflops is going to make any difference?
1: I, I mean, yeah. When If people are trying to draw the comparisons like how the PS4 and Xbox One launched at such different uh power levels like no they were very true they were very very different levels of power where here it's like that's the thing that's so weird to me is if all all of these different skews for both are come out like so four different models for i mean two models for the PS5 and two models for the Xbox Series X like they're all going to be within a tighter <laughs> power uh, level uh, uh power range than the Xbox One and PS4 were when they came out. So it's like, all of these are going to be functionally very, very similar if if two SKUs are coming out for both consoles, which is just a little strange that we're getting so in the weeds with like, well, which one's stronger? I mean, they're functionally going to be the same thing in my opinion.
0: Uh, I agree, I, and I think from what I've heard from developers is that the PlayStation storage really is its ace in the hole, and that that's going to allow it to do a few things special, but still, in most third-party games, it's going to be, like, games just load 30% faster, so, like, they said, like, 5 to 7 seconds instead of 10 yeah. yeah. You know, instead, t- instead of seven or 10. And so I just, I just don't... I think the more I think about it, it's going to come down to implementation for both of them. So we know that the Xbox says they're not having any exclusives anymore. So right out of the gate, I'm like, eh, I'm a little curious who's buying this at launch anyways. But if they got the software perfect, if it worked, if all the games ran well, backwards compatibility was better than you could ever imagine. It ran Xbox One X games. What well, if it ran all Xbox One games in 4K natively? at higher frame rates, you know, that type of backwards compatibility versus Sony's where, Hey, look, Sony is supposedly working on backwards compatibility to PS one. If your PS three games can be put in the PS five and it runs in four K and like that, and everything just works, everything just works well, that's another ace in the hole. So I'm starting to like, look at these performance differences and be like, I think it's going to just come down to software at this point. I think they're both going to run well. And if Sony fucks up their OS, that's a problem. If Xbox fucks up their OS or doesn't nail it perfectly, because again, the Xbox doesn't have exclusives. So there's even more pressure on them to have the experience itself be just better. Uh, that's how yeah. I'm looking at it now for both of these consoles.
1: Yeah, I I, I agree. I, I, I just don't think they're functionally from like a like hardware perspective that different. So that something's going to need to happen with their uh, on the like software OSN to make it convincing why you would buy either. I think the convincing argument for Sony is they have exclusives where Microsoft, I don't know what their argument is at this point, which is why I thought for a while they might have windows, which they don't.
0: (laughs) you know, that's the elephant in the room too. And it, that's where it really comes down to where marketing takes over. Um, the elephant in the room is if we're getting this in the weeds about specs, and that's like a fourth of the equation, and that's the only thing Xbox could win by ten percent. That's that's not actually a good sign, guys. Like yeah. it's about the games, it's about the features, it's about the price point. And if they just go and and there's rumors they might want to overclock the Xbox again, but if Sony can walk out there and say our games load faster and it costs two hundred dollars less, like let's say they actually just do one model that's ten teraflops for four hundred bucks. I don't see how you compete with that when it has exclusives.
1: Yeah, and to like go to the power argument like since I, I I can't really speak to before the Sony entered the picture because I don't know those consoles as well. But since Sony has entered the picture, power has been uh n- has not, not been a determining really factor at all, at all. Like of no which console factor, wins. Yeah. PS1 was one, it wasn't the strongest. PS2 one, it wasn't the strongest. PS3 one, it was kind of the strongest, but not really. It depends on and it only you look relative at it. to the
0: 360, like the Wii yeah, sold more. The
1: Wii sold more. I mean, it was uh, glorified uh, I don't know. GameCube. Though <laughs> the, the the Wii was really good at collecting dust behind your parents' TV screen. Um, but it sold more. And the PS4 was stronger than the Xbox One for about half the generation. Then the Xbox One X came out. The PS4 still continued to outsell the xbox one so power was also inconsequential to those uh consoles so yeah i I think Xbox's marketing up in
0: town now has been perfect people were making fun of how the ps5 looked and so they reveal how theirs looks first good job people are wondering what's going on with the playstation specs so xbox shows off their most uh impressive specs first good marketing very good. The rollout, that's what's impressing me right now with Xbox. It's not the fucking 12 teraflops you fanboys. <laughs> it's it's their it's their marketing that tells me they've got their act together. And but if that's all they have, it's like, I don't know. I'm kind of getting a whiff of PS3 without exclusives here where it's like it costs $600, their competition costs 400 and are they really stronger? You know, is it really stronger? Yeah. Because, I yeah. mean, again, if you're going to argue over the 360 and PS3 or the Xbox One and this, this is a way smaller difference than all of those consoles, and I don't know. I don't either. <laughs> Especially when they say there won't be exclusives, and they say there won't be VR, and PlayStation's expected to have wireless VR. It's like are some pretty big blind spots to their strategy. And I know they're going to, and we were talking about this last night, and it sounds like they're going to double down on xCloud, but, guys, streaming doesn't really seem to work well, okay? Are we really going to pretend it works well now that Xbox is doing it? Because, I mean, man, I really expected Stadia to work better. And I, I don't know. I don't know that doubling down on streaming is a good idea, although it might work. If it does work, good job, and they got in there ahead of time. But I, I, don't, I don't know. There's still a lot in the air here, and I think the early rollout is impressing me with Xbox, but I still have some pretty, pretty, pretty big apprehensions to how I see their long-term strategy playing out
1: yeah and like their early game has been good but it's been very clear that both sony and microsoft have been like um i don't know fire like firing warning shots without ever actually saying anything like the it, it's just been a back and forth of them like revealing a little bit of information because none of them want to actually make the first move yeah
0: well anyways i think we definitely talked about those consoles long enough Let us move on (laughs) to number 10. So I think this is worth highlighting here. I don't just talk about every GitHub repository leak about a new APU. I want to talk about bigger picture stuff. And well, speaking of bigger pictures, big 8K TVs transition. So Warner Bros. did an interesting double blind study between 8K and 4K. And I want to make this its own story just because I think this study was pretty well done. Um, They... Uh, they used native 4K, native 8K, and then as a control group, they used 4K scaled to, upscale to 8K. And they have people sitting at different distances, but not, not that far away.
1: It was like within reason. And they did this double-blind study to see if people could tell. It looks like it was pretty well done, and it looks like people generally can't tell the difference. Except I did think it was interesting. Nature footage, people were kind of able to tell the difference between 4K and 8K. <laughs> That's true. That's I found that really interesting,
0: too, that if it's a real object, a real object, you can actually tell the difference pretty easily because of how good we are at seeing things in nature and other humans. Yeah, what I thought, yeah, so I guess what I'll say is I'm looking at the distribution of scores right now between the clips. It's clear people can tell the difference on average. It's not like 4K tied 8K, 8K One, basically with every clip except for one where it looks like it was a tie, but it was a narrow victory, like a really narrow victory. And if you combine 4K upscale to 8K with 4K, yeah, I don't know. I think it's pretty definitive that there are some people that can tell the difference and that it does, it does technically look better that, but that truly most people can't tell the difference here. And it looks like they accounted for things. I, and I've seen, I want to be clear about this. I've seen other studies before where they compare 1080p to 720p. And the and the stuff they'll do is such bullshit that it's so favoring 720p looking the same. I got to say, they really went out of their way with this to make 8K look as best as it possibly could.
1: Well, the conspiracy theorists on Reddit disagree. Uh, about oh, yeah? there, was, there were comments about it saying, well, the uh, rendering application they used uses image smoothing so this entire thing is this entire uh study is bullshit
0: um and, and i don't know if a, that's fair to point out because
1: tvs have image smoothing software and this is a big uh conspiracy theory by warner bros to not have to shoot their movies in a higher resolution that was the conclusion of reddit but i mean they just will eventually anyways but i i don't think that's
0: i don't know i uh, I don't know about that. I, 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 just... I
1: disagree with them. By the okay. way. Okay.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. I guess what I can say about this is, is I really do then think 4K is just the standard. 8K will eventually be the standard, but I think 4K is just going to be the standard for the next decade.
1: Yeah, there's no real reason like to go past 4K. Like you've said, and I think I agree. I would rather have HDR in 1080p, or I mean, I would rather have like better color in 1080p in a lot of ways than even worse color in 4k it's it, we're at a point in resolution where i think color accuracy is more important than the actual resolution um well so
0: i watched Zombieland. land I, I rented Zombieland land too in 4k hdr on amazon uh last night which uh we share amazon accounts dan so watch it's pretty good but in 4k hdr i gotta say it looked it looked um sharper than usual right it did look sharper than usual and I have a fast internet connection, so I can, I can stream 4K well. But I got to say, the color was the best-selling point. The fire yeah. and all of that. Uh, and I ha- that's like one of the only HDR movies I think I've ever watched by now, actually. It's only been video games almost up until now. And I got to say, the HDR is much more important. So focusing on that with truly, and let's say just truly native 4K and not upscaled is probably a better use of your time and money. Like And so I, I, I'm I basically done caring about moving to anything above 8K. Certainly anything above 5K. I would consider a 5K monitor if it was like 50% more just so I could render and edit 4K with some extra screen space, you know?
1: Yeah. And I, I don't know if I would even want 8K, but like you said, 5K would even be pretty nice. And maybe in the future, 8K would be good. Not even because you can necessarily tell the difference in resolution, but because it allows you to have so much shit on screen. <laughs>
0: Well, yeah, which you will tell that difference. And I guess what I'll say is this, if you can't, let me say that. If you, if it's hard for people to tell the difference between 4k and 8k, 5k and 8k is going to be like the same. Like, I think we're hitting that point. I know Apple's at 6k now. I think we're getting to that point where it's like I don't need to lose any more performance after 6K. I might consider paying a little extra for 6K just for productivity purposes, but like I, I have basically zero interest in 8K at this point after seeing this study. I'll be honest.
1: Um, I mean, yeah, I agree. I'd like to see it, and I'm sure movie theaters will eventually start showing things in 8K. They should, but- because it's so
0: blown up in a movie theater. It's like, come on. Like, I can see the pixels. Well, not pixels, but I can see the... Uh, Smeariness sometimes with the projector. and um, I've seen 8K at Best Buy. It looks good. Well, yeah, I'm sure it looks good. But I got (laughs) to say, when you, well, but when you look at like a native, the one thing I will say with 8K is there are certain scenarios where it is obvious. Like you'll see someone film like the favela in Brazil and you'll actually see people walking around on a balcony a mile away. And it's like, you just can't see that with 4K. So that's one thing I do want to point out to Play Devil's Advocate here that the problem is We haven't considered the types of movies we may be able to shoot now that we can show more detail. And once we start doing that, the difference might become way more obvious. I mean, how many movies are just close-ups of faces and five people on screen? Once you start doing epic battles in 8K, maybe you will see the difference easier.
1: I mean, yeah, like 8K, you're still technically able to hold four times more information in a single uh, frame. So so yeah think about like a 20th of the like a fourth of the
0: screen of 8k is 4k and then a fourth of that so you could have a tiny little square showing one guy in the distance and he's being rendered in full 1080p in the distance and that's why you can see him yeah exactly which for some games that might become important too and and so yeah but i'll say this at best buy the native footage i saw of 8k when i've seen 4k for the first time on really good monitors at Best Buy, I was like, oh, that's obvious. I can tell the difference between that and 1080p easily. It was way more (laughs) obvious than, it was almost as obvious as 1080p to 720p. But then again, 1080p is only a little over double 720, and this is four times 1080p. So there are diminishing returns already showing up, that it felt like the difference between 720 and 1080 And then when I saw 8K, it was immediately noticeable. But I saw it as like, I'm going to be honest, guys, the difference between 4K and 8K at Best Buy, to me, looked like the difference between 1440p and 1080p. It was like less than double the. And remember, fourteen forty p is less, not even double the resolution of ten eighty p. So I think that's about where. And I mean, yeah, yeah. So I guess yeah. that's the comparison I will make for people wondering what it looks like.
1: I mean, yeah, and obviously we were going to see a point of diminishing returns at some point, and I guess eight k, four k, is isn't a surprising point that we would see it at. <laughs> for, All
0: right, let us move on though to number eleven. So this is I wanted to talk about this because we just did a die shrink on the perfect form factor for a portable gaming laptop uh, or PC gaming device. And it looks like the GPD might actually adopt a similar form factor. Now, this is a about a nine inch laptop. So it's a very small laptop. But behind the keyboard next to the screen are two analog sticks and then four buttons and directionals. And there's triggers on the back of the laptop. This is what I'm talking about. (laughs) This is the because if I get a portable gaming device that runs Windows, it needs to be just big enough and usable enough to be a laptop because I'm not owning both this and a laptop, guys. So I just thought we should bring this up. The link in the description if anyone's curious. I'm not sure I entirely agree with the overall aesthetics, but I like a lot of what I see here. I see on the back. You've got a few USBs, HDMI so you can plug this into a monitor. I like that there's a little switch that disables the controller buttons and activates the touchpad. Oh, I didn't see that. That's cool. And you oh. can use, and, and when you do that, you use the analog sticks as a mouse. <laughs> So I gotta say, if they made this sl- this comfortable enough to hold, which I have my apprehension to it being comfortable to hold, but what this we'd have doesn't to
1: see. look like it would be that comfortable to hold to me. I mean, it's a cool first, uh, well, not first stab, but second stab at it, I think. But yeah, they're getting closer. This is close to what I think would be a cool form factor for like a portable gaming laptop.
0: Yeah, and, and so I and it runs Ice Lake though, which I find so bizarre. Like this should be using the a lower clocked six compute unit six core 12 thread uh renoir for sure to save yeah. energy i'm not like tdp down you know to like seven or ten watts i don't i don't i don't like this there but uh is it a better graphics performance too for sure but otherwise i mean i this is the type of form factor we were just talking about so i thought it was worthy to bring it up
1: yeah and, and like i said i think this is they're on definitely on the right track i mean i don't like the t- the controller a ton but it's close to it's pretty close to what we talked about and if you're going to try to integrate a controller into a laptop i think this is probably close to the best that you can do you know what dan that's all of the news stories we have a couple of reader
0: or mail but this last one here I think, I think we make that a die shrink don't you
1: um
0: yeah probably All right, so we have one reader mail before we close this out, and it is about retro gaming. Let me just write that down. So Johnny Boy 161 writes in, oh, Johnny Boy! Johnny Boy Cornpipe. That's what we call him, everybody. Oh, old Cornpipe over here. Many older PC games do not run or play as they were originally intended on modern hardware and operating systems. Yeah, I saw a good old gamer did a video where he couldn't run the original Max Payne's on Zen 2 for a while. They fixed it eventually, though. <laughs> but here's an example. Uh, Fear is a good example with its audio issues on Windows 10. Many other games do not play correctly due to their resolutions, not scaling. Now, I've definitely seen that at times. I can't think of an example, but I've seen that. Well, Half-Life 2, if you go to 4K, is a little bit of an issue. <laughs> uh, definitely if you go above 4K, let me say that. And Do you play any older PC games that have issues similar to this? What do you do to fix them? I actually have a small collection of older PC hardware in my garage. I've always had plans to build retro PCs for the purpose of playing these old games. I simply do not currently have the room to have them set up. So they're in the garage for now. But I currently have the parts to build a Windows XP gaming machine and maybe even a Windows 98. A retro PC is something that you have ever thought getting into. Well, So I'll I'll answer first. Not really. no. And I've never had problems running any games. I I wrote this down. I actually thought about this before we started recording. I... All of my old games work still. Like, Age of Empires 1 works. I have the original Rayman, which I played on Windows 98. And I've dusted that off, Dan. By the way, guys, Rayman, still fucking fantastic. (laughs) It's so good. Um, One of the great platformers. Uh, And it runs. I, I don't have any problem running any of my old games. And I never... Especially lately. I I kind of did sometimes on Vista, but I just blame Vista and, and recently I really haven't had that many issues. Have you?
1: I mean, I don't I don't really play that many old games like all this game I probably play with any regularity is like Age of Empires 3 on my computer. So, yeah. I can't speak that much to this. I mean, Age of Empires 3 runs fine. I I don't really have any any issues with that at all. Uh older games I yeah, I don't really play any of those. So,
0: yeah, I'm trying to think of the oldest games. I mean, you played Half Life One and that RAM, but of course, that's going to work. I mean, like
1: I do. I also source played that. And yeah, I don't remember when I played that. I think either. you played it
0: on Windows Seven, didn't you?
1: I, yeah, I played it on Windows Seven, and I think that was probably when I had a uh, pile driver CPU or something like that. Yeah. Um. So I guess I don't. I
0: uh, to be honest my answer is I've never really been into retro gaming. The oldest games I've really done see but I always have a like it with cuz if it's like a an N64 game that runs on my phone emulators that's the oldest games I usually play. The same with Sega Genesis uh PS1 games, I didn't even have a PS1, but those you can just run on, you know, newer PlayStation's and backwards compatibility. Um I, I mean, don't know. I mean I, I guess I uh,
1: really old PC games, I don't know. I guess I've run emulators, but emulators the issues on emulators are usually because of the emulators themselves, I think. There's usually things that you can like modify in an emulator to make it actually run. Um and I haven't tried using an emulator on my Zen Plus setup at all yet, so
0: yeah, there's been no, uh, 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 none of my old games have had any trouble running on my 3950X. And in fact, Warband got a pretty substantial performance boost, which I thought was interesting.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> but there you go. It it, you know, eh, War, Zen 2 works well with Warband. Hey, Warband, it's March, damn. What do you think the chances are the new Mountain Blade comes out this month? 0%. Uh. <laughs> Fuck yeah, bro. Yeah, I, do you, you know what's funny? They say that's coming to PS4.
1: I'll believe that when I see it. Okay. I mean, I hope it does. That would be cool. I'll probably <laughs> th- still play I'll it on it PC. On PC though. Though. I'm yeah. definitely
0: going to get it on PC. That's a PC game. But uh, I just, it's like, I don't i don't think you're, we'll see. <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> uh, I don't know. But yeah, so in terms of older games, though, I don't, I played them every now and then, and I, I've never been that into it. I have no problem with modern games. I think better games keep coming out, too. That's the thing, too. I've never prescribed this nostalgia thing. I think it's nostalgia. You can disagree with me. That's fine. Of, like, only playing older games. and It's not that I never want to go back to them. I just... I I don't have time to play all of the newest games, so, like, when am I going to do
1: that? I've dusted off SOCOM before, though, and it yeah, well, holds up. I mean, yeah, as far as, like, nostalgic gaming goes, no. I mean, I've probably been playing... I've been playing video games regularly since probably, like, 2003, 2004, and I've generally kept up with the times, like... So, I don't know. I've been, I've been mostly playing modern modern games for the entire time I've been playing video games, and especially once I got to like later high school and college. I mean, yeah, I'm only going to be able to keep up with the newest releases, so I don't really go back to old games that often. Like even games I like a lot, like The Last of Us, I probably only beat The Last of Us like three times, and three times is a lot for me. Yeah, it's a lot,
0: especially lately. It's crazy if I beat any game twice these days. I can't think of the last game I did that actually. Uh, yeah, it's been a while. Been a while. <laughs> all right. Well, I think that's pretty much all of it, Caden. We got your question. It's about a pretty hot button subject, though, for some people. So I think we're actually gonna I'm gonna take some time to evaluate it and maybe make it into a whole die shrink with them. So we'll get to it. Remember to support us on Patreon. That makes all of this possible. As I said in the loose ends, you know, if you support us on Patreon, you're supporting more videos, even if uh, you don't listen to the podcast, which I don't think anyone who does that's here. But I also heard someone say they're tired of analysis videos (laughs) in all of my YouTube videos and they want more podcasts. And I'm like, well, look, you want more podcasts, support me on Patreon. But none of them are taking away from each other. There's just different thought required for each type of content. But anyways, support us there. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Share it. And use that reader mail. Fill it up, and we'll get to your questions. Any last words, Dan? Smash that MF like. Smash that motherfucking laugh button, bro. (laughs) All right, everybody. Have a great week. Bye. The following podcast was brought to you by the YouTube channel and website, Moore's Law is Dead. Moore's Law is Dead and Broken Silicon are trademarks of their creator, Tom. That guy is me and I am indeed the creator, editor, writer, and showrunner of Moore's Laws Dead podcast videos articles, and other media. However, Moore's Laws Dead is a team with broken Silicon co-hosted by my brother Dan, audio editing by Gerard Cortez and select technical editing by Carbon Cry. You can find all of our information including how to get a hold of us at www.moreslawsdead.com. And if you are a fan and would like to send mail or other hardware, please mail parcels to Moore's Law's Dead, PO Box 10468, Peoria, Illinois, 61612. And speaking of fans, without exaggeration, the patrons are solely responsible for the continued distribution of the content you just listened to. And so if you have some extra money, but only if you do, please consider supporting us. For just $2 a month, you get access to the exclusive podcast Die Shrink, voting on subjects of future podcast episodes, the ability to have your questions read aloud on Broken Silicon Die Shrink and Loose Ends, and of course, the Moore's Law is Dead Discord full of like-minded people who would love to meet you. I am one of them. The Discord is only at $1, and at higher tiers, you get access to ad-free episodes of Broken Silicon, the back catalog of Flyover States podcast, thanks in the credits of videos and podcasts and other perks as well. And if you cannot afford to support us, please just share Moore's Laws Dead videos and podcasts with friends and family on social media and Reddit. And give Broken Silicon and Flyover States a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. All of this really does help so much more than I think anyone realizes. If you'd like to advertise on the podcast or a person of interest who would like to be a guest, please reach out to the email address mlhbdead at gmail.com. But as I said, this podcast would not be possible without its fans supporting it, and so now it is time to give a personal thanks to the greatest of the fans. The following supporters are at the 10 gigahertz or higher producer levels: Bootman, Carbon Cry, Dean, Benny Berlin, Justin Yant, Thomas Rupp, I Love You, Jim, Bollocks, Jordan Betcher, Muhammad Khawari, Frederick Lau, Prime Tech TV, Justin Paris, Zachary Martin, Terence Herod, Cal Marco, Phil S. Thyrister the ninth Dude Greg Renegar John Bible Chrysantine Night Rogue 77 The Mechanical Philosopher Lebo Kinkilo Fatboy Diesel Derek Evans Matthew McMullen Christoph Novak Neil X01 Matt Salem Aaron Close Sexy Scott Shove Sadler Sadler Richter Cohagen Olethros Telos Kaiden Picknell Greg T. Wancheck Jacob Barber X Winnie Whiny Care Bear Matthew Lane Paul Jones Jan Rauner Rubber Ducks Michael Costa Allie Robertson Gordon Lamb Jonathan Drita Full, Evan Dingle, Nick Neasy, Dominic DeWert, Harold P. Bureau. And of course, thank you to Sahara for the music.